Let's open our Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 8 for an opening verse of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 8. When I say Proverbs chapter 8, I hope that you know that that is the chapter-long personification of wisdom as a woman. Proverbs chapter 8. I want to read to you the last five verses of the chapter. Lady Wisdom addresses you. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. You can choose to live the way you want to. In loving kindness, you're a stupid ignoramus. And it's going to destroy you now and later. Lady Wisdom offers you life and the favor of God and of all men. You do things your way. That last verse tells us that you wrong your own soul. My language is nothing compared to Lady Wisdom's. And my language is nothing compared to what the Lord Jesus Christ will say to you when He meets you. Nothing at all. I warn you, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, I try to persuade men this morning. You try to do things your way in any part of your life, you're going down, you're wronging your own soul, and you must love death because you hate lady wisdom. Sin is the transgression of God's law. That's what 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 tells us. Sin, what is it? It's just breaking God's law. He has all the wisdom, and He's revealed it to us in the Bible. If you want to do things your way, then get ready for the pain. The great and dreadful God of the Bible created you. And He can do with you as He sees fit. And in His perfect holiness and righteousness, He can crush you. And He will crush you for any rebellion against His Word or perverting of His ways upon the earth. And as I read earlier this morning, man has corrupted the way of God on the earth. He created everything good and very good and told us how to enjoy it. And we destroyed all that pleasure. We destroyed Eden. We destroyed paradise. There is no utopia especially Karl Marx's and the other idiots that worked with him. None of them had any sense at all. The Bible says if they don't match up with the precepts of God, they have no light in them at all. There is no utopia, especially their kind. There was a utopia, though, and it was in the Garden of Eden because God made everything very good. Could have had perfect marriages. Could have lived forever. No sickness, no disease, and you wouldn't have worried about clothes. You wouldn't have had to work very hard. 
Because you wouldn't have had to sweat for what you took home. It was all wonderful. We could have eaten of every tree of the garden and enjoyed a variety of fruits that God said was very good. That's better than what they have at Publix. We destroyed all that. God made man upright, but we sought out our own inventions of how we wanted to live. What I want to deal with this morning, what I want to teach you from God's Word are the consequences of sin. My hope is that you would hate sin as a result of this sermon. My goal would be that you would love the Lord Jesus Christ, who has defeated sin and all of its consequences at the end of this sermon. My hope would be that we would all believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our might and live for Him. You can sin six different ways. You can sin by commission. That means you do things that God has said you shouldn't do. You can do them in your mind, and that's the same to God as if you had done them in your, with your feet. You can do them with your lips, and you can sin against Him in your actions. So you can sin by thought, by word, and by deed, by doing things or committing things against His Word. Sin is the transgression of His law. You can think against His law, and it's a sin. So those are sins of commission. Then there's sins of omission, when you omit things in your life and you don't do what God has commanded you to do. And you can do that in your thoughts, because God wants you, wants Him in your thoughts. And you can have your thoughts about this world and you're sinning against Him by omitting thoughts about Him. And you can omit praise from your lips and thanksgiving from your lips and love and comfort and rebuke and exhortation from your lips toward others. You sin against the God of heaven by omitting what He expects from you. And then you cannot go and do the things that you ought to do. You can fail to read, fail to pray, and fail to help others read and pray and live lives to please the Lord, and you sin by omission in your actions. So those are six different ways we can sin. Thought, word, and deed of commission. Thought, word, and deed of omission. Your heart, since Eden, lies to you more than anyone else ever has or ever will lie to you. The heart is deceitful above all things. There's no one else that's going to lie to you as much as your heart lies to you. Your thoughts are a perpetual stream of lies. That's what the Bible says. And so your heart's going to tell you that you can get away with sin, but what I'm going to tell you this morning from God's Word is that there are consequences for sin. You're only going to get so many warnings. And then God will strike and crush you, and there will be no recovery. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words in Proverbs 29.1. Your heart lies to you and tells you that you can get away with sin, and you really won't have any severe consequences. The Bible says, Be sure your sin will find you out. If you've gotten away with some sin, or several sins so far, It's because God is tricking you. Don't you know that? He's tricking you. Yes, the God of heaven is tricking you. He's given His Word, and if you want to go against it, He sometimes stays silent for a while while you sin 
so that you think he thinks the way you think. That's Psalm 50. The last four verses of the chapter. He's tricking you. Let me read to you what he has in store for you. Psalm 50 at verse 21. These things, and it's a list of sins in the context. Psalm 50 and verse 21. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. If you've been getting away with a sin, the clock is ticking and the Lord is about to crush you and tear you in pieces. You lie if you think there is any other end to your sin. You lie to yourself and you believe your own lie, which is the ultimate deception. For you to lie to yourself and to believe your own lie. This is the word of the Lord and it's a warning to all of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. There are consequences for sin, and don't think there isn't. You cannot get away with it, and I am so thankful. I am so thankful to be a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every other sergeant, captain, general can threaten his soldiers with punishment from their particular body of the military, and most of the time, the authority is unable to perform the threat. But the authority that I represent always performs the threat. He will have the last laugh at those who rebel against his word. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11. Because sentence, this is a legal sentence, this is a sentencing in court. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. See how men lie to themselves? Because punishment doesn't come down immediately, they think they can get away with it. You know, we have a nation where it takes an average of seven years to put a murderer to death. It ought to take about seven seconds. Seven minutes. And they ought to have it on television. As policemen trace track down murderers, and blow them away. If they've got a little bit of evidence, you know, I don't think our justice system works very well when it takes seven years to put a murderer to death. That's six years and 364 and a half days too long. And because of that delay, the the hearts of the sons of men are fully set to do evil. But here's what the wise man wants us to know in the next verse. Though a sinner do evil... And hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. Don't lie to yourselves this morning. There are consequences for sin. And so I call upon you before I even get to the end 
Turn away from any sin that you're playing with because there's going to be trouble and terrible trouble coming because of it. The only source of truth that tells us about sin is the Bible. If we were to grab our local newspaper, the Greenville News, and look through its hundreds of pages on a Sunday in a Sunday edition, we will find things there warning us, suggesting to us of how we can improve our lives. You know, one day we hear, stay away from coffee. The next day we hear, stay away from red meat. Stay away from diet sodas. Stay away from this. Take this vitamin. Eat this kind of food. Eat range-fed chickens. Organic food is better for you. And on and on it goes. They're all worried. And they all flip those pages. And they read about the effect on their lives from a few dietary or exercise changes. But no one talks about sin. And sin has more of an effect on the lives of humans than all other effects combined. And no one says a word. What are the pulpits of America doing? Sin is going to tear you up from the inside out and then cast you into hell. God hates sin. He's an infinitely wise creator and He's just and holy. He has never done anything wrong in His entire eternal existence. And He never will. But He hates sin and He punishes it where He finds it. And even when He chastens His children, it can be horrific. The church at Corinth had members that were weak. Forget CFS. They were weak because of sin. They were sickly. Forget your eating and exercise habits. It was sin. And they were dying. There were members in the church of Corinth flopping over and dying. They were filling up a cemetery because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. How did they abuse the Lord's Supper? They went without a regard for the Lord that it represented, and they went without a regard for the other brothers that should have been taking it with them. And the Lord killed them. Sin has terrible consequences even in His own children. But no one ever talks about it. You can read a history book, And there isn't a history book that says, sin caused this. You can read a medical book about the origin of disease. They're all trying to find out what causes this disease, that disease, this particular problem. I'll tell you where it all came from. Do you want to know something that they don't know in any medical school in this country? Sin causes it. And you're never going to get rid of it. The average life expectancy is 70, and if you're strong, maybe 80, and it's never going to change. I don't care what kind of vitamins you take. If you want to help your longevity, do something this afternoon for your parents. Because the Bible says, honor your father and your mother and you'll have a long life. The consequences of sin. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13. I want to start with the easy stuff. The stuff that gives you hell on earth. You say, I thought you were going to start with the easy stuff. I am. Hell on earth is easy. Compared to hell after earth. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15. Good understanding giveth favor. What is good understanding? It's obeying the words of wisdom that we already had in Proverbs chapter 8. 
Good understanding giveth favor. But the way of transgressors is hard. What is sin? It's the transgression of God's law. What are these transgressors? Sinners. Sinners have a hard life. And so what I want to begin with is talking about dysfunction. And that is messing up God's orderly and pleasant way of living because of sin. Look at 22 and verse 5. Chapter 22 of Proverbs and verse 5. Proverbs 22, 5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Isn't that exciting? I'm about to describe to you hell on earth. But if you learn the book of Proverbs, you can be kept far from the hell on earth I'm about to describe in the way of dysfunctional lives. Let's go and think about a few consequences of sin. You know, there's more than one way to die. Your body can die. Your soul can die. Your heart can die. Your mind can die. You can die in a relationship. Your reputation can be killed. There's more than one way to die. Sin is the cause of all of them. How about the man who marries an unbeliever? How about the man who marries an unbeliever? What kind of a hell does he go through in life because he married an unbeliever? One simple, but I loved her. But she was beautiful. But she was nice. But she came from a good family. But she was a good Christian. What do you mean by a Christian? Did she fear God, love Jesus Christ, and crave the doctrine of the Bible? That's a woman that's in the Lord. You marry out of the Lord, and you're bringing upon yourself 50 years of hell in this life. That's the dysfunction of sin. Because God doesn't give it, leave it up to you. You don't have a right to marry an unbeliever. It isn't your choice. God's already made that choice for you. And every father in here better enforce it. I can promise you that this pulpit and church will enforce it. If you marry an unbeliever, you're going out of this church. And if parents allow it to happen, they're going out of this church. You say, that's cruel. Try Eli on for size. I will back you parents up all the way. We are going to marry in the Lord. You marry outside the Lord, you're going to have so much trouble in this life. How about the man who marries an odious woman? He says, I found one that's a church member. Is that good enough? So he marries an odious woman. Do odious women creep into the churches of Jesus Christ? Yes, they do. What does the Bible say about that poor man? It says it would be better if he could be in a wilderness camping than at home with that woman. It says it would be better to be on the rooftop, in a corner of that rooftop, cowering, cowering and playing checkers with himself, than to be downstairs with that woman. Where does all that come from? It comes from disobeying God's Word. The Bible says this, favor is deceitful. A girl that does things to please you, that is deceitful. That's what whores do. Beauty is vain. Good looks don't prove a thing about character and good looks don't last. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. You get a woman that fears the Lord and you're going to be praising her all the days of your life for the good things she does. That's what the Bible says. You go against that and you're in trouble. 
Solomon said, because he went against that commandment. Solomon said, I find more bitter than death the woman. All you have to do is meet a man married to such a woman and have him open up his heart and you'll recognize what I'm talking about and you'll understand Solomon's words. I find more bitter than death the woman. Try marriage your way. A partnership. It doesn't work that way. You're going to be in hell on earth. Partnerships don't work. There needs to be authority and God ordained it that way. And if you go against the Word of God, it will not work. How about ignoring your children and not training them? How about being lazy and sending them off to some stupid school to do the work for you instead of doing the work yourself? The Bible says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. But the rod and reproof Bring wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. How many men have suffered? How many women have been shamed? How many have had grief of soul and had a calamity in their lives by disobedient children because they neglected the Word of God? The Word of God says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And most churches today, though, no longer preach the use of a rod on a child, and so they reap the consequences of the most rebellious, anarchic generation this nation's had. Do it your way, and you're going to suffer in this life. I haven't even got to the real punishment yet. All you have to do for that is suffer 50 years by having children that shame you. Doesn't it make you want to close up for five minutes? And go beat them all for good measure? Uh, children, I didn't really mean that. I'm just telling your parents a little secret. We love you all. You understand that. All you have to do is babysit a few times and you realize, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It works. It works and people that don't use it, it doesn't work for them because they don't use it. How many other things could we think of? You know, casual sex. The world tries to tell you and Hollywood tries to tell you that there's a whole lot of fun in it. A whole lot of pleasure. Four times in the book of Proverbs, Solomon said that casual sex has a hidden punishment. Death and hell. Now, that doesn't sound bad, does it? Death and hell. Four times. In the little book of Proverbs. Job considered adultery to be a heinous and terrible sin that would root out all his increase and destroy him and should be punished by the judges. Do you think you can commit that sin and not be burned? Proverbs chapter 6 says, Can you walk on coals and not burn your feet? Can you hold fire in your bosom and not burn your clothes? You play around with casual sex, you're going to be defrauded because anyone that will do it with you is a liar and selfish. They're going to hurt you badly. You're going to lose your reputation, possibly have an unplanned child, no longer be a virgin when you find someone you do want to marry, encounter angry spouses, ruin your legitimate family, catch a sexual disease, waste your savings, live with guilt, 
have to tell your future spouse or live with an untold story. It'll destroy your marital sexual pleasure, and so on and so forth. That's all. Not bad. I guess Hollywood's right. They're not right. They're all idiots. They're all rebels. They're all devils. This is the consequence of sin. And we have an entertainment block in our nation that tries to tell us that you can get away with sin. And there's actually pleasure in it. If you don't rule your consumption of wine, you're going to suffer immediately and later. Look at Proverbs 23. You're so close. Why can't we just turn over one page to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29? I love the Bible. It tells me there's consequences for certain actions, and it says that if I will learn the Bible, I can be kept far from them. Far away sounds good from some of these things. 23:29. Who hath woe? Question mark. Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look what happens when you tarry long at the wine. You're going to get drunk. Look at the consequences. Look at how stupid it is to wound yourself and give yourself red eyes and a hangover. If you read the rest of the chapter, it tells you, why don't you go to the top of the mast of a ship and take a nap? Now, when you're down in a ship and it's rocking a little bit, okay, can you handle that? No. Uh, can you? Maybe you can handle Charlie, be respectful. Charlie and I sailed a time or two around the state of Michigan, and I couldn't handle stormy seas, and he's reminding me of it. But a ship only moves like this, a few feet. But get yourself at the top of the mast. It kind of swings all over, doesn't it, Bruce? You've climbed up those before on Navy ships. The Bible says, why don't you go crawl up to the top of a mast and take a nap? Because That's what it says in verse 34. That, Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. You know, that's how terrible a hangover is. You know, that's something you can save yourself from just by not tearing long at the wine. Set yourself a rule. I'm only going to have one glass. I'm only going to drink eight ounces at a crack. That's all. I love the Bible. It addresses so many things. If you love to play ball excessively. Oh, somebody says, are you picking on my ball game? Well, let's see. Pinball, golf balls, tennis balls, basketballs, or beach balls. I don't care. The Bible says if you love balls too much, if you love ball games too much, you're going to be in poverty. It's going to cost you in your life for being a lover of pleasure. Your reputation is going to be reduced to a child, and your savings are going to be reduced to an NSF charge. Defraud your husband. Try that sometime. I'm going to punish him. He ain't going to get any of me for a while. Try that sometime. His heart's going to be so full of bitterness, he's going to hate you from the inside out, and then he's going to go commit adultery and see who wins when you do that. That's just the start. You say, my husband wouldn't hate me. He may already, just hasn't told you yet. He fears God enough that he hasn't decided to tell you about it yet. You can't get away. Take a sneak at, sneak a peek at pornography, men. Sneak a peek. 
It's going to inflame your lust, lead to sexual dysfunction, and shame is coming. You say, no one saw me. Oh, what did you say? No one saw you. The Lord saw you. The Lord saw you. And He's going to punish you, and He's already said there's consequences for taking that sneak. Don't pay your bills on time. You're not going to have any credit, and financial ruin is on its way. Trouble, pain, misery, because you didn't want to pay your bills on time. Talk a lot. You know, the Bible says, stop talking. You like to talk? Talk a lot. No one's going to like you. If you had to write a list of sincere friends and have them sign off on it, you wouldn't have any. When you're buried, people will sigh a sigh of relief because they have rest for their ears. You'll never be promoted and you'll never amount to anything. But go ahead. Run the yapper. The Bible addresses it over and over and over. All the addictions in life begin with one little compromise with sin. You know that we support the moderate use of wine. But a drunkard began with one choice, to get drunk on one occasion the first time. And it goes from there. Pornography is as as addicting as wine or any other drug because sin is never content with just one sin, two sins, or three sins. It wants to keep you sinning. And it's going to get a hold of you. And the Bible says about sexual sins in Proverbs chapter 5, the last three verses, that you will be holding with the cords of that sin. You will not be able to free yourself. Sin's deceitful and blinding. You're going to have a twisted perspective on everything in life. Now all that is dysfunction. That's all. Do things God's way, and you can be far from all that trouble. Do things your way, and you're going to run into all that trouble. Let me give you another consequence of sin. Depression. Let's use depression to describe all the pain inside. Now, most of what I just described was on the outside. But let's describe the pain on the inside that causes people to be depressed, that causes people all sorts of problems. And pain. A child of God cannot be happy while allowing any sin in your life. So get used to frustration. If you are going to play with any sin, whether it's sin against your spouse, sin against your children, sin against your parents, any kind of sin, sin of setting evil things before your eyes with a television, you're going to mess up your... You say, I've got away with it so far. I love that statement. Because I know that my God just heard you think that. And do you know what he said? Consider this, that what you're hearing right now is the truth before I tear you in pieces. Look at Psalm 31. Turn back a few pages to Psalm 31 and let me show you David's internal pain for sin. A child of God allowing sin in his life, can never be happy. He's going to be frustrated, discontent, angry, irritated with life. Look at David. Psalm 31, verse 10. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Look at the pain that man is in because of sin. 
That's 31.10. Look at chapter 32, verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He was dried up and punished. His bones waxed old. He just felt dead, whipped, destroyed, tired because of sin. Look at chapter 38. Psalm 38 and verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. There is no rest in my bones because of my sin. This is a medical malady. This is a physical consequence. This is a spiritual consequence of sin. And it's not even addressed in any medical school in the country. Holiness and righteousness will bring you peace and rest. It can restore your soul and your life. It can rejuvenate your body by being free from the guilt and shame that you have before God by playing with sin. You know, when a Christian sins, all of a sudden, he's disillusioned with God. Disillusioned with the Bible. I I don't get anything out of reading the Bible. Disillusioned with the church. I don't know what they're all thinking about. They're all crazy. Disillusioned with the saints. And it's all because of playing with sin. Because it destroys faith in God's promises and it destroys fruit from God's Spirit. When you have sin, your faith is weakened, so you can't trust God or believe God. And so all of a sudden you're going through life without faith and that is no life at all. That is confusion. That is fear. That is trouble. And because you don't have the Spirit of God, you've grieved and quenched Him. You're discouraged and have no fruit in your life. There's no joy in a child of God without the Spirit of God. Not true and lasting joy. Can't be. Nothing will satisfy. Do you think that we could have come and taken David out to eat in the condition of chapter 31, 32, and 38 and put put joy in his heart? Do you think that would have made him happy to eat? It wouldn't have done a thing for him. He had to get right with the Lord. And if you go back to 32 and verse 5, he'll tell you how to get right. In fact, why don't we take that excursion right now and look back at chapter 32 and see what David did about his bones waxing old and roaring all the day long. Verse 5, Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. Who of you are hiding sins? Acknowledge them. Acknowledge them to God. Admit them to God. Confess them to God. Tell Him you've been sinning. Tell Him you're going to sin no more. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Look at the Selah before that verse and the Selah after that verse. My brethren... I'm here to warn you, there are consequences to sin. Sin can be turned from, and it can be far away from you. These consequences can be far away. You can be full of joy. You can get over depression. Thanks be to God. I want to tell you about the devil's delight. The devil's delight is to find you playing with sin. Turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4. Where are you playing with sin? In a relationship? In your reading material? In your television? In your thoughts? In your lack of Bible reading? In your lack of child training? Where are you playing with sin? The Lord isn't the only one that knows that you're sinning, even if the rest of us are in ignorance. And the rest of us are not really in ignorance because all we have to do is look at the fruitfulness of your life. Can't hide that and can't pretend it. Some of you have fruitful lives and some of you don't. So we know that you're playing with sin. Repent. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. It says, Neither give place to the devil. And that is the end of a sentence that says, Be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. When you sin, you give a place to the devil. You open a door, a crack, and let the devil come into your life. And there is a powerful spirit in this world that wants to destroy your life. And he destroys the lives of people that crack that door open. And all you have to do to crack that door open is to sin. In this particular case, it's to get angry in an unjustified way and not get rid of it before you go to bed. Let's talk about Judas for a second. Did Judas crack the door open to the devil? Because he was a thief. He was a thief. Did the devil know he was a thief? Is the devil a good accountant? Did the devil know the receipts that went into the bag that Judas carried as the financial treasurer of the apostles? Did the devil know that? Did the devil know the expenditures? Did the devil know that that little income statement didn't balance? Did he know that Judas was a thief? How dumb do you think he is? Did the devil see Judas buying Skittles? With the money that he took out of the purse. Did Judas on another occasion witness a woman breaking a very expensive box of alabaster ointment and anointing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and make a stink over it? And did Jesus rebuke him in front of the disciples? Does it say that irritated him and he went out? That got him all upset because he had been made fun of in front of the other disciples and he should have been. And he went out and conspired with the Jews to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the devil. He cracked the door open for him. Now, when you crack the door open for the devil, does the devil want to give you a good time in life? Has the devil ever known a good time himself? Not since he was in the presence of God as his creature without sin. What did he do to Judas? Look at Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I want you to know what happens when you give the devil a little hole in your life. The devil is not in the business of making you happy. The devil is in the business of destroying you. I have a Baptist, a Baptist pastor in this country. I don't have him. I happen to be on his mailing list. And he writes every time another rap artist gets murdered in their 20s. You would not believe the long list if you typed it single space. It would run all the way down. And you know, that, that's, a, that's a form of music. Well, not really, but it's a form of something that's only been around for a few years. But they all die young. Because that kind of devilish music, along with all the other forms of music that are associated with it, invite the devil into your heart and give a place for him in your life. And so they die. Look at their lives. Look at their lives. 
You know, the generation I came from, how did Jimmy Morrison go down? Oh, come on. You all look at me like you've never heard of the name. Jim Morrison of the Doors. You know, come on, baby. Light my fire. How did he die? He drowned in his own vomit. Were there others that went down that same way? How about Janis Joplin? How about Jimi Hendrix? And we could go on and on. You open a door to the devil, and those people weren't afraid of the devil. They loved the devil. You should read Jimmy Mor- you should read about Jimmy Morrison and remember his song, Passing Through to the Other Side. What other side was he talking about? He was talking about the devils that inhabited an Indian tribe that he met when he was on vacation with his parents that he remembered well when they got a hold of his soul. He cracked that door open to the devil. The devil is not in the business of making you happy. Even those that serve him, he destroys them because he is the destroyer. He is a badden in the Hebrew language and a polyon in the Greek language. Revelation 9-11, he is the destroyer. Drowning in your own vomit. Are you kidding me? He was, Jimmy Morrison was the rage with the doors. So was Jimi Hendrix. So was Janis Joplin. And so were a whole lot more. What a way to go down. Oh, they were stars. Oh, they were stars. And all the little girls pressed against the fences to get at them. They were stars. They drowned in their vomit at young ages. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. Judas opened the door to the devil. And you open the door to the devil every time you sin. I want to, you kids, when your parents tell you to do something, or they rebuke you, or you correct, or they correct you, and you turn around and roll your eyes, whether outside or inside, even though your parents don't see it, the Lord sees it and the devil sees it. He has emissaries, he has his minions standing there, and they see it when you roll your eyes at your parents, and all of a sudden you've given a place to the devil in your life, and he's going to take you down. All of a sudden the Bible is no longer precious to you, the people of God are not precious, you're not as happy, you've got rebellion in your heart. He sees it as long, along with the Lord. And if you crack the door to the devil, he's coming in. And here's what he does when he comes in, even when you've obeyed him. Then Judas, Matthew 27, 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the Bible tells us that when he hung himself in Acts chapter 1, he fell down and dashed his bowels out all over a field that's called a seldoma or the field of blood. It's the potter's field and they bought it with his 30 pieces of silver. Now let's think about it. Did Judas make lasting friendships with the Pharisees and the priests for betraying Jesus? Or does it say here that they said, Get out of here. You worry about that. Did he make friends? Did he keep the money? Did he spend the money? Was he happy about what he had done? Did he get to die unhappy? Did he have a nice funeral? What else do you want me to say about him? Do you understand what happened to Judas because he got upset at the Lord correcting him? Anthony? 
When your parents ask you to do something and you have any thought in your heart or you walk into your room and you slam down a book or get irritated because they asked you to do something, and I mean every other young man or woman in here, the devil sees that. He's going to mess your life up and tear you to shreds from the inside out. So what's the cure? Obey God. Hate sin. Love righteousness. He's a whole lot worse than I am. How about some denial? What does the word denial mean when we're talking about the consequences of sin? When you sin, God's going to deny you. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Bible says that the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. He doesn't look at your prayer and say, oh, at least my sinner's praying a little bit. I'll show some mercy toward him. He looks at your prayer and considers it an abomination that you would sin and then come and think that he's going to hear your prayers. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, and hopefully most of you read this last night with your families. Because there are good men in here that read the preparatory chapters with their families, and there are wicked men in here that don't read the preparatory chapters with their families. The devil knows whether you read or not. The Lord knows whether you read or not. And we'll all know whether you read or not by the kind of children you have. We don't care what grades they get in school. All we care about is are they bearing spiritual fruit and acting like Christians in this life. And that's going to tell us. It's a foolproof way of knowing. Somebody says, you can't know my heart. We all know your heart. Either you're bearing spiritual fruit or you're not. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24. Look at this warning about denial. God will deny you if you have sin in your life. There are consequences to sin. He just doesn't overlook it. Verse 24, Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set it not all my counsel, and with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So we we must choose the fear of the Lord right now. We must hate sin and say that I'm going to get that sin into my life and it's over. Lord, forgive me. He will deny you in your hour of your greatest need. He will laugh at your calamity. You say, well, I don't have any calamities in my life. The God that I serve is tricking you. Because you've got one coming. And it's going to be terrible. And He is not going to hear you when you call upon Him. You say, what do I have to do for my prayers to be hindered like that and for God to deny me? Well, 1 Peter 3, 7 sounds like this. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You say, that doesn't sound like an equal punishment for that crime. That's what the Bible says. God's chastening can be horrific. 
Did you hear 1 Corinthians 10 read to you? About the things that happened in the Old Testament to Israel that are for our examples? They played with idols. God destroyed them. They murmured. God destroyed them. They fornicated. God destroyed them. And they were His people. 1 Corinthians 10. If you think God's chastening of His children is light, what about Eli? Listen to these words. We love the first half. Them that honor me, I will honor. Isn't that wonderful from the God of heaven? Do you want to stop right now and sing another song? It's not singing, brethren. It's choosing to live a righteous life. Them that honor me, I will honor. And them that despise me, I will lightly esteem. I've taught you the figure of speech in the Bible called hyperbole, which is where we exaggerate to make a strong point. The exaggeration is understood. This is an exaggeration in the other direction. I will lightly esteem them. He tore Eli and his family to shreds. He got his hands on Eli's family tree and ripped it to shreds. Do you know how he ripped it to shreds? With the sword of Doeg the Edomite, who killed all the priests of God. Eli was the priest of God. But about 40 to 60 years later, he killed all of his descendants. In cold blood. Why? Because Eli did not discipline his sons severely enough. He rebuked his sons, but he did not stop them from their sinning. Denial. God had promised Eli, you would be my priest forever. Eli wanted to sin by not stopping his sons in their wicked rebellion, and God denied him. And said, be it far from me that I ever promised such a thing to you. I'm going to tear you to shreds and your whole family. And I'm going to give it to your enemy. That was another competing family of priests in Israel. Say, it sounds pretty bad. We're just getting warmed up. Not time-wise, but we're just getting warmed up in severity. Let's go to another consequence of sin. Disease and sickness. Disease and sickness. Before you get to die, did you hear me? Before you get to die, God's able to make you wallow in misery and pain. Turning your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 16. 2 Chronicles 16. My youngest daughter. My little girl who doesn't want me to use her as an illustration. So don't ask her about it. Well, just a few of you. Is getting her CNA right now, and she's got up to the stage where she gets to go and visit the Alzheimer's wards, and goes and gets to visit the wards of others that are moments from dying, days from dying, and she's learning all about life and death, sickness and disease, pain and suffering. Unable to contain themselves. They're incontinent. She's not allowed to use the word diaper. You use the word brief, if I remember my lesson well. She slipped a couple times. (laughs) But you know what? In just a few years, I'm going to need a diaper. And I think that's pretty miserable sounding. Can't eat. Can't get up. Can't make their bed. Can't get dressed. 
can't shower. So what has Rebecca been doing? Changing their briefs. Cleaning every single square inch of their bodies. Taking them in the shower and washing them. And feeding them. And we get to talk about where all that came from. And I ask if her instructor told them where it all came from. And every time she tells me no. They never tell her where it came from. You know where all that came from? It came from sin. We could have been running around nude in the Garden of Eden, brethren. Forever. I'm not being foolish. I'm just telling you the way God had planned for it to be. Run from one tree to the next and grab a piece of fruit. Then take your wife down some path. I don't even know if we had to worry about that back then. There was no guilt or shame in the world. It was no different than shaking hands, maybe. Wonderful. We blew it all. And look what we get for it. Disease and sickness. They get angry at her while she's helping them. They don't know who they are. They don't know who anyone else is. She saw some of them going up and down the halls at a frenetic pace with their walkers. Now, that's not very fast, but you know what I mean. Just just very intense with their walkers going up and down the hall. And she asked her instructor, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? Are Are they exercising? What's wrong with them? She said their bladders are full and they, it's hurting so bad, but they forgot how to go to the bathroom. Where did that come from? How could you forget to go to the bathroom? You know, you come out, you come into this world not knowing that you are going to the bathroom and you wet the bed. You go out of this world forgetting how to go to the bathroom. You know where it all came from? It's the consequence of sin. Are you excited about that little thing that you're playing with in your life? Does it really look good to you? Second Chronicles 16.12 Let me tell you about a king that reigned for 41 years and accomplished many things in his life. But when he was threatened by an enemy, he called another nation and said, Will you help me? You say, That's, is that all he did? That's all he did. When he was threatened by another nation, when he was threatened by an army, he called another nation and said, I need your help instead of going to the Lord. That's what every single movie you have ever watched, without exception, does. They never go to the Lord. That's why every movie you watch does not have a faith-based worldview. They never go to the Lord in the time of trouble. This man didn't go, don't take pleasure in those things without recognizing it and condemning it to your family. This man didn't go to the Lord in the time of need and look at what it says. Verse 12 of Second Chronicles 16, And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And did they cure his disease? Not a chance. He died in the 41st year of his reign. The last two years of his life, he must have had some form of gout that was exceeding terrible. Why? Because in his time of trouble, he went to human support instead of to the Lord. That's why. I've already mentioned to you, there wasn't a problem with chronic fatigue syndrome in the church at Corinth. They were weak because of sin. Do you know that if God withholds a little bit of His breath, your body has no strength? 
He breathed into the first body that He formed from dust the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And when He withholds some of that breath, you don't have the vitality you ought to have. If there are times you're wondering, why don't I have any more vitality? Search your heart. You may have sin in your life. I'm going by New Testament Scriptures. I want you to look at it. I don't think you believe me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Do you know there were three problems at the church at Corinth? This isn't the church of Egypt. This isn't the church of the Philistines. This is a New Testament church. First Corinthians 11, verse 30. For this cause, it should say causes. If we had a better translation, it would say for this causes, all their sins from Adam to the present time was the result for these consequences. No, for this cause. What cause? Because they weren't examining themselves when they ate the Lord's Supper and they weren't remembering His death. They were just coming in and taking it. Tipping the cup. Tipping the cup. That's all they were doing. Oh, they were at church and they sang, Oh, how I love Jesus. But they didn't examine themselves and they didn't remember the Lord's death in the two elements. So it says in verse 30, For this cause, a few of you are weak. What does it say, brethren? For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and a few of you sleep. And many sleep. Is that a sober warning of the New Testament that's buried in a little tiny verse? You know, when the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that our Father in heaven... If we are not bastards, but are truly His Son. That's the Bible word. Don't get upset at me. If we are not bastards, but His sons, He scourges us. Now, a scourge is not being grounded. You know, some of you parents think that grounding is a punishment. The Bible says the rod and reproof give wisdom. Not grounding. Not taking away their allowance. Oh, I've heard things like that. I'm going to take away your allowance for a week. Well, such a kid's just going to go steal out of the mom's purse. Big deal. Beat him. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. But the Bible says, when describing a father disciplining his child and applying it to us as God, our Heavenly Father, loving us and showing us how much He loves us, do you know what kind of a tool He uses? It isn't a feather pillow. It's a scourge. A scourge with strips of leather with bits of metal in it that would rip you wide open. He wants to get the point across that that the chastening of the Lord is a very serious thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Asa was exceedingly diseased in his feet. Corinthians were weak and sickly, and many of them were dead early. When it says sleep, that does not mean that they were at home with a sleep apnea problem, nor did they have insomnia, nor any other kind of a sleep disorder. They were dead. That's the New Testament way of speaking of death because of the good news that I'm going to tell you in just a second. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, if you think you can avoid this, you can't. Ecclesiastes 8.8, there is no man... 
8.8 There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. There is no way that you can buy your way, talk your way, or any other way, stop death. It's coming. There is no discharge in that war. There's been a discharge in every single war in the history of mankind. The war ended, and the soldiers that were still alive got to go home, though they had feared they would never see their home again. There's always been a discharge, because war ain't nothing like life. Life does not have discharge. You're going down. You cannot retain your spirit, and you cannot stop death. The degeneration of the human body, described in the Bible, shows David, who was once ruddy. That means he had blood flow that was awesome. He had red cheeks. He was good-looking boy. When he came in from keeping the sheep, Samuel knew. And the Lord told him, this is my man. Anoint him king of Israel. The Bible tells us he was ruddy, a mighty man of valor. He could wrestle with lions and bears, and he took on Goliath. And he ran to meet Goliath. He said, by my God, have I leaped over a wall. But that same David, just 50 years later, couldn't keep body heat. And when I go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, in a long graphic description, it describes the decay of every part of the human body. From erectile dysfunction, to your teeth falling out, to your ears not working, to being afraid of heights. Every bit of it. And do you know what it says? you know what it says to all you young people? Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. I can already smell the evil days. Remember your Creator now, in the days of your youth. Ecclesiastes 12, about the first eight verses. Death and dying. God promised us death if we wanted to sin in the Garden of Eden. We sinned, and God's brought death upon our entire race. Genesis chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, it tells us where death came from. Death is a result of sin. It's not the result of the rays of the sun. It's not the result of eating too much sugar, red meat, or not enough vegetables. It's not the result of not taking your vitamin C or having an orange a week or an apple a day. It's sin that causes death. And men die. And they continue to die. Babies die. Children die. Old people die. Middle-aged people die. Strong people die. Weak people die. We die because of sin. There's consequences to sin. And it includes death and dying. The corruption of the human body from its beauty and form in early years to its ugly, stinking corruption in latter years should tell us so much about sin. That is the reflection of it in this world. But brethren, that's just the beginning. After you die, God casts you into hell because we had read to us from Revelation chapter 20 that death and hell were delivered up to God and they were judged every man according to his works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. After this life, there is a lake of fire of eternal torment where the worm dieth not. You will not go out of existence and the fire is not quenched. God does not turn the thermostat down. It's the lake of fire. That is where you will go. There is a punishment coming that is so much greater than any all the punishments you've ever had put together after this life. That is the consequence of sin. Look what sin has done to us. 
Sin leads to dysfunction in this life. It leads to depression in our inner man, in our spirit. It's the devil's delight and gives him a foothold in our life. It causes God to deny us in our time of need. It brings disease and sickness. It brings death and dying. And then it brings eternal torment in the lake of fire. That's because you want to play around with some little sin. It doesn't matter how small it is. It's a sin in the sight of God. And in the sight of a holy and infinite God, it's enough to do all those things to you. Thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ said, The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ sent His wholesome words by the Gospel so that you would not have to have a dysfunctional life. I want to tell you that He took care of all seven D's of, light, of trouble and consequences of sin. Jesus Christ and His wholesome words that are preached by the Gospel tell us how, how to have a functional life and to be saved from the dysfunctional living that is all around us. Jesus Christ sends His Holy Spirit, which is called the Spirit of God's Son, into our hearts that saves us from depression and gives us great joy. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those are three wonderful things that sin will never let you have. Sin does not allow you to love because sin is selfish. Sin does not allow you to have joy because you are under the guilt and punishment of God and or men. Sin doesn't give you peace because you're guilty and fearful of that punishment. But the Holy Spirit can save you from depression and give you those things. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And He has destroyed the works of the devil and all the claims the devil has against you. Jesus Christ has opened up a new way to God as your high priest, so there is no denial if you go to God through Jesus Christ. If you confess your sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will receive you and forgive you your sins. Because Jesus Christ is our high priest. He lived perfectly and He is never denied. His Father always hears Him and always will hear Him. Do you hear me, brethren? Jesus Christ has defeated sin and all of its consequences. Jesus healed all manner of disease and sickness while He was on earth, and He's still able to heal all manner of disease and sickness when we go to Him and trust Him and pray for Him. And listen, if your deliverance is to be taken to a perpetual vacation in paradise in heaven, that's still a deliverance, brethren. That's a wonderful deliverance. Jesus Christ arranged all that for us. Jesus Christ destroyed death and has purchased immortality for us. Death now is only sleep to those who are living righteous lives and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ washed you from your sins in His own blood. And so the book of life is called the book of life of the Lamb slain. And when you stand before God and the books are opened and you are as sinful as anyone else, your name will be found in the book of life. And you'll be given entrance, abundant entrance, the Bible tells us, into heaven. Jesus Christ destroyed all the consequences of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, I call on every single one of you to turn from your sins 
and to turn from any wickedness in your thoughts, your tongue, or your deeds, whether by commission or omission, before it's too late, before God judges you whether you are not His child or whether He judges you if you are His child. You say, how do I know? Then flee to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on Him and put your sins down and live a righteous life. That's how you know. That's how you lay hold of eternal life. I can say to you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved from the coming damnation. Because only God's elect that are regenerated will ever believe. Believe on Him today. Love Him. And love the sacrifice that He paid for us and for our sins. But I can also say to you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved from all the pain of others now. Oh, brethren, Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient and an all-covering Savior. He saves us from the consequences of sin now and He saves us from the consequences of sin to come. He's a great Savior. I call on you in His glorious name to turn from your sins, those sins that you're playing with, and get them out of your life. Acknowledge your transgression, and He'll forgive you your sin. And lay hold of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the Christian religion. This is why we meet. This is what the Bible teaches. This is the gospel of the New Testament of Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy upon us. And help us to stand And go out of this place today to live for Thee and not for ourselves, to hate sin and to repudiate it in our lives and to follow Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. Amen.